Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. The title of this series is What a Powerful Name. Obviously, we're talking about the name of Jesus. And you see, you can't talk about the name of Jesus without talking about authority because the name of Jesus has been given unto us so that we would have authority. I want you to listen. I want you to hear very closely. The name of Jesus has been given unto us not just so that we can use it just flippantly and slapping on the end of a statement. The name of Jesus has been given unto us because that name is recognized in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. It is the means that we have been given to decree, to establish, to take authority over everything that is contrary to the word of God. Are you hearing me? Most Most of our stress, most of our anxiety, most of our Uh, concerns, worry, things of this nature are always going to come from something that is contrary to the Word of God. If it's contrary to the Word of God, that means it's contrary to the will of God. And anything that comes against us in our lives that tries to affect us that is contrary to the Word of God, contrary to the will of God, is going to cause you pain. It's going to cause you stress. It's going to cause you to have to battle against this. We have a name that's above every other name. And unfortunately, most of the time, the church plays dead, rolls over, allows the enemy to steamroll over us, rather than stand up and say, "Uh, excuse me, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you stop that right now. Are you listening to me? How many think this is going to be important? Amen. I want to start out with the scripture in the book of Genesis. There's a reason why I want to do that. Uh, For those of you that have been around this church for any length of time, You've heard me make this statement before. I'm going to make it again. Any doctrine, any idea, any proposition, any concept, any teaching that we present from the Word of God has got to find its origins in the book of Genesis. If it does not find its origins in the book of Genesis, put it aside. It is not scripturally accurate. Okay, and we're living in a time where many people, in order, excuse me for saying it this way, in order to sell books, in order to sell uh, DVDs, in order to get crowds, in order to get offerings, pick topics out of the Word of God, present their own little concepts, put them together, throw them out as doctrinally correct, and they're not. Anything that you hear, I don't care who the teacher is, I don't care if it's me, make sure that anything you are hearing that's being presented to you supposedly as biblical truth has its origins in the book of Genesis. What is the book of Genesis? What does the word Genesis mean? Beginnings. And so everything in the word of God has its origins in that book, and then it continues through all the way to the end of the book. Amen? Amen. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. I'm going to read this to you from the New King James Version. Then God said... Let us make man in our image, and remember, this is the Trinity speaking, okay? That's why you're hearing the terminology here. Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them, so I'm at man now, so so he's talking about man and woman, okay? Let them have dominion. Would you say that word, please? Dominion. Dominion. Say it again. Dominion. Dominion. Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, 
over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Here it goes, see it? Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it, have what? Dominion, here's that word again. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, we cannot understand or appreciate or actively participate in kingdom authority, in the kingdom of God, without knowing a few basic elements about our relationship with the Father, okay? Our relationship with God Almighty, the creator of everything that's seen and unseen, is based on this concept of authority, okay? God created this planet. He created it for man. But his intention was not to be here at this point in time to have to rule and reign over everything. He created us that we in his place would rule and reign over everything. That's why he had to create us in his image and in his likeness because only he is able to rule and reign in his majesty. Are you, are you listening to me? In his majesty. So if God is majestic, and is he? Come on, let, let's go through this together, okay? Let's, let's just, just stick with me, okay? I, I want this to kind of, I want this to roll around on the inside of you. I want you to get a hold of this. I want you, when you walk out tonight, I want you to, if you came in like this, I want you to walk out here like this. Not out of pride, not out of arrogance, but in confidence in the fact that your Heavenly Father created you with the intent not to be ruled over, not to be bowed down, not to be beaten down by the enemy of your soul, but to rule and reign on this earth as a king, as a priest. Remember, one of the titles of Jesus is the Lord of Lords and what? King of Kings. Well, well, who is that king with the little K and who is that Lord with the little L? It's us. He is the king over kings. He is the Lord over Lords. Now, that word Lord is directly tied to the word dominion. Dominion is a word that comes from the Latin word dominus. Does anybody remember from your old days? Yeah. Dominus, okay, what is the word dominus? Dominus is Lord, master, ruler. So we could say it this way. He created us in his image and likeness so that we would have lordship over the earth. Lordship. Now, now, just to go to show you, can I take a little side journey here? Okay. Our society, our humanistic society, wants to place man beneath the animals, beneath the, the, the creation, beneath the trees, beneath the... It's completely opposite. We are to have lordship. Now, it doesn't mean that we go and abuse the animal world. It doesn't mean we go and abuse, we don't just cut down forests for the fact of just cutting down forests. But everything on this earth has been placed here for us to use. You didn't like that. No, I can tell you didn't like that. Because we, you know, we're taught to, well, that's prideful. That's nothing to do with being prideful. It has to do with operating in the economy of the kingdom. And the economy of the kingdom is this. He has rulership and ownership over all, over all the cattle, all the silver, all the gold. For who? You have been created. 
to administrate, to steward, to have lordship over all the resources of this planet and all the resources of this planet in biblical um, hierarchy or bureaucracy, if I could put it that way, they're all there in this dispensation that we live in. All of the resources of this earth are there for this one reason. It's to spread the gospel. Well, I don't think it's right. Well, who cares? I'm not trying to be nasty here or trying to be harsh, but who cares when an opinion does not line up with the word of God? Well, I'm allowed to have an opinion. Yeah, you are. But it doesn't mean I have to go by it. And it doesn't mean anybody else has to go by it. When it does not line up with the word of God, it does not line up with the character of God, it does not line up with the plan of God, it needs to be rejected. Okay? Religious thinking has destroyed many people in the church. Trained by man to think a certain way. If Solomon's temple was built today, the majority of the church would get on Facebook and destroy Solomon and say, who does he think he is to spend all this kind of money on a set of doors? Who does he think he is? What, what do we need those two columns in the front? They're not holding anything up. Why, why do you have to spend all this money? It's religious thinking. It's his. If God doesn't care about spending $30 billion on a building, why should you? Some of you are getting upset. And truthfully, I hope you get so upset that you stay up all night tonight and read the Bible <laughs> to prove me wrong. When stuff like this upsets you, it is showing you that you truly do not understand the economy of the kingdom of God. Listen to me. You cannot be a small thinker and operate in the economy of the kingdom of God. You have to think big. You've got to have big dreams, big visions. You've got to see things through God's eyes. We'll get there. What is authority? Authority can be a person. A person could be termed as an authority. This person is authority in the subject of so-and-so. How many of you ever watched that antique roadshow thing? Okay, I don't usually watch it a lot, but every once in a while it'll catch my attention. What, 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 do we, what is this all about? It's about an individual who goes to a garage sale, and they find something unique, and then they, they, they start to understand, well, but this doesn't look like a normal uh, little knick-knack here. This looks like something different. And so what are they going to do? They're going to seek out a, an authority. And that authority is a person who has studied, who has life experience along his lines, who has maybe made some mistakes in the past and learned from them. So it's somebody that you have trust in that when they tell you that this thing that you bought for a quarter is now worth $25,000, And somebody comes and offers you 50 cents for it. Well, I'm, I'm doubling your money. No. Why? Because I have it on authority that this thing is worth $25,000. That's an authority. Okay? Authority is a person who has power to influence or to persuade resulting from knowledge and experience. It's a right conferred upon someone. 
When, when I delegate something, let's say here in the ministry, uh, we have different departments and different department heads and different individuals that are responsible for certain areas. So when I speak to someone and I delegate to them and say to them, uh, we need to have this done by such and such a deadline, and so now that person goes forth out of my office and now goes to the rest of the individuals in the ministry, wherever it pertains to them, and says, okay, uh, I've just been authorized to bring this thing to pass, so here's the part that you're gonna play, here's the part that you're gonna play, here's the part that you're gonna play, because this has to get done, okay? Now think of it this way, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, probably by a couple of weeks, but, but listen, uh, uh, on the night that Jesus appeared to the disciples, that first Easter Sunday, the first Resurrection Sunday, the very first thing he did was empower them and authorize them to go and preach the gospel of forgiveness. Are you listening to me? What did he do? He breathed on them, received the Holy Spirit, then he said to them, whoever sins you, forgive, will be forgiven. And he sins you retain, shall be retained. Okay, are you you listening? So, So what's the precedent that was set by the authority in the church? Go and preach what? Well, well, the gospel of salvation. That's not what he empowered them to do. He did not authorize them, although it is part of it. Well, he, he, to preach the gospel of grace. Okay, yeah, but he authorized them, breathed on them, empowered them, anointed them to go forth and preach what? Forgiveness. Why? Because a person that doesn't realize that they're forgiven if they don't realize they're forgiven, are not going to listen to the gospel of salvation, are not going to listen to the gospel of grace. It would be wasted. Do you think Jesus knew what he was talking about? Okay. So, it is the right to control a situation. It is power or might that is given by command. The right to enforce or to take action or to right to make decisions. Can I just throw some appetizers out at you? Because I want you to be hungry for this. Religion teaches a Jesus that walked around with a flowy nightgown. (laughs) Loved everybody, tolerated everybody. But if you read the Gospels, if you take those religious glasses off, you see a Jesus who walked in authority. Now, was his motive love? Absolutely. But most people today would be very uncomfortable with the Jesus of the Gospels. Because he didn't put up with any garbage for anybody. He loved people. He respected people. But he operated in authority. Why? He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Yet even though he walked on this earth as a man, He walked on this earth as a man empowered under the authority of God Almighty to come and re, let me put it this way, re-present man the way he was originally supposed to be created. Had, listen, look at it this way. Had Adam, this stuff is good. Had Adam operated in authority, he would have sat his wife down and said, listen, I know you weren't there when this happened. But the Creator, our Father, gave me instruction and direction. 
And the person that receives instruction and direction automatically has the authority and the responsibility to teach it to those under him. But he didn't operate in that authority. He, the first time the snake showed up, Adam should have taken what? Authority over that snake and said, get out of the garden now. But he didn't. So because he didn't, the snake gained entrance. I don't know how many households are in the shape that they're in. Because somebody's not walking in authority. Now what did Jesus have to do? Jesus comes on the scene, he's got to clean everybody's mess up. Person comes to that's deaf. Is it God's will for that person to have been deaf? No, of course not. If there was going to be deaf people, we would have saw them in the garden. We don't see Eve going, what? What? I'm trying to get the point across here. So all this stuff is allowed to come in and affect mankind, and Jesus shows up on the scene, he's got to clean everything up. You listening? And he's got, to, he's got to be a tough guy. Anytime there's any hint of darkness, he's got to immediately take authority over it. He can't tolerate it. Why? Because he, he came to set a new precedent. He came to reintroduce. Don't think that Jesus came and brought anything new to the earth. He came to re, say re, re. Introduce, introduce what mankind was supposed to live like. That's why he had to come to the earth 100% man, 100% God. If he had only come here 100% God, then he couldn't act like a man, empowered by God. That's why he could say, verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, he who believes in me, there's a qualifier, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he shall do also, yes? Now, if Jesus came, I know, I know many of you are familiar with this, but let's just stir it all up because we're, we're going on a journey here. If he would have came as God to the earth, then that statement couldn't be true. Because you and I can't do the works that God does. But we can do the works that Jesus did as a man, watch this, empowered by the Holy Spirit. A man walking in divine authority. How do we know that he had that kind of divine authority? Because even the demons recognized him. They knew, oh, he looks like a man. He walks like a man. But there's more to this one. And immediately, as soon as he would show up on the scene and the demon was there, what would they do? I know who you are. You're the son of the most high. Have you come here to torment us before our time? And what did he do? Did he do all kinds of different antics and, you know, what did he say, shut up. And the devil had to shut up. You catching this? All right, so in our case, our authority is based on Jesus, we're talking about relationship now, remember, on Jesus bringing us back into relationship with the Father who originally created us to operate this earth on his behalf. Now. Let me give you a little illustration from history. The Roman Empire. 
at one point, the Roman emperors came to the delusion that they were divinely um, appointed and they, that they became divine individuals. So, all over the Roman Empire, on specific days, and if you go study this out in the original language, you go study it out in history, um, the Lord's Day was not referring to God Almighty's Day. The Lord's Day, remember on the island of Patmos, it says that on the Lord's Day, John had a vision? Well, you read that in the original language, it's not talking about Sunday. Everybody thinks that happened on a Sunday. No. It was on a Thursday, because on Thursday in the Roman calendar was the day called Curiacus, the day of the Lord Emperor. And so that was the day that all the people, this is how the Christians all got in trouble, because on a Thursday they would have to take incense, go to a specific place where there was a statue of the emperor. And before that statue, they would have to burn incense, because in the Roman mind, and what they were trying to portray to the rest of the world was, that statue is as good as if the person themselves were, were here. Oh, we're going to get in trouble tonight. <laughs> Pastor, how come we don't have any statues in the church? <laughs> now, we're not going to get nasty here, but do you see how that mindset from the Roman emperors trickled down through the ages. And so we would go and light candles in front of the statue, and we would go and offer flowers in front of the statue, and we would pay homage. Well, we're not worshiping. No, you are. It just, see, the statue reminds us of the person. Well, that went all the way back to. Now listen, I'm telling you this because the pagan emperors of Rome and the pagan citizens of Rome understood dominion better than most Christians do today. Because wherever that statue was, was declared to be a place of worship and dominion and lordship under the control of the emperor. Instead of a statue, God has placed you on the earth that wherever you put your feet and wherever you go should be established as lordship, not to you, but to the one that you represent, God Almighty in heaven. So when a situation on earth gets out of control, <laughs> and one of the dominion holders that really truly understand who they are in Christ shows up on the scene, that individual has the right to declare the will of God in that situation. Amen. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Come on. Think about what you're saying. Wait, 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 back up. Think about what you're gonna say. Go ahead, ready? On earth as it is in heaven. What is the whole reason to pray that prayer? To establish God's will, where? on earth as it is in heaven. So when you went to the city of Ephesus, in the Roman, if you lived in Roman times, and you went to where the statue of the emperor was, Thursday, it's time for you to burn your incense. They were basically making the statement, wherever this statue is, has to conform 
in Ephesus as it is in Rome. Are you following this? You and I are not called, here this one's gonna hit good, you and I are not called to establish our will, we're not called to establish our vision, we're not called to establish our dreams, we're not called to establish our way of wanting to do things. You and I have been created in the image of God that we would decree and declare and establish on earth, come on, as it is in heaven. So if we don't walk in authority, well, pastor, I just, you know, I just don't feel like I'm worthy of that. I'm just not worthy. It has nothing to do with your worth. It has to do with what's been delegated to you. It has to do with another word that a lot of people don't like, responsibility. And you and I have been given a responsibility to represent this kingdom. I was listening to a program the other day. Is this okay that I'm sharing my heart here? Because see, if you don't get the mindset, there's no use to me giving you scriptures because you're not going to see them in the proper light. I was watching this program the other day um, uh, on prophecy, in Times Prophecy. And, and the gentleman was talking about a subject I haven't studied in so long. You know, when you're a pastor, you can't get off on tangents. You can't get off on specialized areas. You've got to make sure that the flock is being fed. That the flock is... With, you know, hear what I'm saying? You can't just go, okay, today, for the rest of the week, you're just going to eat oats. No, it has to be, it has to be, like, generalized. It's got to be where it's, like, all nourishing, like, you know, a multivitamin type thing. But, see, on my own time, I like to study specialized areas. I, I just, I like to because I feel like we have a responsibility uh, to, to conduct ourselves as one of the families in the Old Testament, it's just one line that refers to this one family. I, I don't remember exactly where it is, but it talks about the sons of Issachar. The sons of Issachar, this is all it says about them in all the scriptures. They knew how to discern the times. Man, oh my God. If there was anything that I want written on my tombstone, he knew how to discern the times. Why? Because when you know and you're trained and you, you, you've learned to hear the voice of God and he shows you and he speaks to you and he warns you and he, and he, and he, he kind of exposes things, reveals things to you, then you can start conducting life according to what's going to come instead of what happened in the past. Okay? So, so I'm listening to this, this gentleman teach on prophecy. Uh, you know, amongst the prophecy teachers, very well known, very well established, not some flaming maniac. You know, he's not teaching crazy doctrines. And he started talking about what it's going to be like during the millennium. And some of you are hearing this word for the first time. The millennium is a thousand year reign of Christ on the earth after he returns. Not the rapture, after the second coming. When he establishes his throne in Jerusalem. And for a thousand years, there's peace on the earth. Well, he talked about some of these things as far as uh, there will be those of us, now every, anywhere, every single one of us, let me back up. During the millennium, there'll be people that will go into the millennium in their flesh and, bone and blood bodies. We won't, because we won't be here. Well, the Bible teaches that there'll be a day when a trumpet sounds. And it says in the dead in Christ, that those that have died that believed in Jesus will rise first. But it'll probably be, you won't be able to really discern the time, the split seconds. But the dead in Christ, graves are going to pop open. 
The ocean's going to give up. Just everybody that's ever died in Christ is going to be raptured. It's going to be taken off the earth. You think the earth is hell now? This is kindergarten class compared to what the earth will be like after that event takes place. And we're right on top of it. I don't know if you understand this. We're right on top of it. Okay? So, so the people that will be left here on the earth that become believers during that time, they will live into the millennium. And I heard Billy Brim teach this at one time. I don't know if you know who she is. Go look her up. Amazing Bible teacher. She said during that time, the people that are still in their natural bodies on the earth will be walking down the street and one of us who have come back with Christ will be walking and they'll say, there's one of the glorified ones. They're one of the glorified ones. Because we'll be here on the earth in our glorified bodies. You remember when Jesus rose from the dead, he didn't have the same body he had before the cross. You guys realize that, right? When he appeared to them, he appeared to them in what? A glorified body. When John saw him in that vision on Patmos, he didn't look like the Jesus that was walking around with John. He had this majestic glorified body. You remember he was able to walk through walls. He was able to appear. You guys follow me? So you and I are going to have that same type of body during that time. Okay? But here's the point I wanted to get to. I said all of that stuff to say this. The thing that will mark the difference between the millennial time and the age of the church is this. During the millennial time, <laughs> we'll have rulership over geographic areas. I've already called all the oceanfront property. <laughs> don't even bother, don't go there. We will be given, watch this now, dominion. You remember Jesus talked about this in parables. People that will have 10 cities and people have five cities and people. Have, and if you took care of and you were a good steward over the little, then you'll be ruler over much. You think he was just talking? He's preparing us for the future. So I said all that to say this again. That's why we need to study this. You and I need to know who we are in Christ. And, and granted, that is a large scope of subject. But if who you are in Christ, what you've been taught about that, if it does not include the fact that you are going to be held responsible by our Father in heaven, by Jesus Christ, the ruler, the head of the church, responsible over stewarding that which he places in your hands, having dominion, operating in authority, operating in lordship, not as, see, see, as I'm talking this, some of you are getting this wrong idea that I'm talking about because it sounds like I'm describe, describing a dictator. It sounds like I'm describing a tyrant. It sounds like I'm describing some, some like, uh, egomaniac. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is walking in a position that Christ has paid with his blood on the cross to place you in. Many of us understand about our position of righteousness, but your position of righteousness exists for the purpose of you walking in authority. So if you're going to just take the benefits of the position of righteousness, but not have the responsibility of authority, are you listening? Authority is a big deal. 
You see, because the devil runs rampant in some homes because somebody's not standing up and saying, uh, no, you don't do this in my house. In the name of Jesus, you take your sickness out of here. In the name of Jesus, you take your depression out of here. In the name of Jesus, you take your lust out of here. In the name of Jesus, you take all your uncleanness out of here. In the name of Jesus, you take all your craziness out of here. Go! Sounds radical, right? Yeah. And that's why people shy away from it. Because religion has taught you that to be a Christian is to be this... Excuse me for breathing. Oh, am I in the way? Should I leave? I got a hold of this probably the first six months that I was born again. A gentleman came to visit our church. Some of us old timers might remember him. His name was Lester Summerall. Wow. I went to church that night, and, and this little guy, God likes to use little guys. <laughs> Sorry, Jerry, I know you're tall. But. <laughs> and this little guy stood up on the platform. At that point in time, he was probably my age and I am now. And he said this. And here's a guy, here's a guy who ate boldness for breakfast. Here's a man who God sent overseas and literally changed nations because this man understood authority. This is what he said. Now, we're talking about in the mid-'80s. And he said this. The day's going to come where a person's going to walk into the Supreme Court. I know this is going to shake some of you. That person's going to walk into the Supreme Court and point to one of the judges and say, die, and they're going to fall over. And I went, oh, my God, what church did I just... What the heck did I get involved in? In other words, what he was saying was, the day's going to come when the church will start acting like the book of Acts again. Where Paul said to a Roman official, blindness is going to come on you. Because he was fighting. I'm sorry, I got that wrong. It was, the, it was the counselor to the Roman official who was distracting him away from the gospel. Elimas was his name. And Paul pointed to him. And darkness came over him. Couldn't see. Well, that doesn't sound like love. But it sounds like the Bible. It sounds like authority. It sounds like a person taking authority over the works of the devil and the Bible says, and for this reason and this purpose that this was the Son of God manifest, that he would what? Destroy the works of the devil. Put that in your little love doctrine of Jesus. He came to destroy the works of darkness. Why? Because the works of darkness took man out of authority and made him a slave instead of a ruler. And Jesus was not going to tolerate that. I'm going to read you a scripture, and then we'll kind of wrap it up for tonight. This get you hungry for anything? Yes. You're going to come back next week? Yes. You're going to bring about 10 people with you? Yes. Yeah, you got weak that time. <laughs> well, Pastor, I can't force people to come. No, you can't. But you can take authority over the devil that would stop them from coming. Yeah, 
Do you, do you understand that most people that reject the gospel reject the gospel because of spiritual blindness? Matthew 28. What are we talking about tonight? Authority. That name that's above every name. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, the disciples, saying, you want to read it with me? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Oh, you don't like this one, right? Come on, read it with me. It'd be good for you to speak that. It'd be good for you to speak it out. Ready? Come on, let's go. And make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, or behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Amen. So, Genesis starts out with God creating man, already in a position of authority, man losing his position of authority, the second Adam showing up on the scene to restore man well, well why, why did Jesus come to earth? Oh, 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 so we wouldn't have to go to hell. Jesus came to the earth to restore us to authority so that we could tell the devil to go to hell. Yeah. Now, let me paraphrase that. I wrote my own paraphrase. This is Matthew 28, according to Joe. Jesus speaking. Since I've accomplished all that I have now, all authority has been entrusted to me by my Father. Based on my authority, I release you and authorize you to operate as my representatives on the earth and in the realm of the Spirit. Use that authority to go and bring my gospel to all nations. Baptize them. Teach them. Disciple them so that they will operate in the same authority I have given you. And this is why we have to go to Bayville. And this is why we have to go to Manchester. And this is why we have to go to every other door that God opens that I can't tell you right now. This is why. Because I've had the question posed to me. Pastor, we've got an awesome church. Why do we need to do it? Why can't we just... Just keep doing what we're doing. Because Jesus didn't authorize us to sit here. Jesus authorized us to go. Go. Establish and go. Establish and go. Establish and go. What did Paul do? If this is your church... You need to get this mindset. This is your church. You need to understand. It's not about us anymore. John the Baptist found that out. That was the lesson of John the Baptist. He did his job, but it wasn't about him. It was about the one that was going to come after him. You and I need to take hold of the spirit of John the Baptist. Not to get our head cut off but to go and do, just like John the Baptist. John the Baptist was not satisfied. He didn't care who criticized him. He didn't care what his life was like. 
All he cared was this. I got to go here. I got to go there. I got to go here. I got to go there. I got to go here. got to go there. I'm probably going to talk about him this weekend. Because he was a weirdo. He ate bugs, and he wore the most uncomfortable clothing you could possibly wear at that time. Camel hair. Could you picture him preaching? <laughs> Repent! <laughs> Are you getting this? I don't know if you're going to like this. And this is my last statement tonight. We're done. God called you to be a weirdo. King James cleaned it up and called us peculiar people. Pastor, I just feel so uncomfortable. Because, you know, I just feel so out of place when I'm around at work, around other... You're supposed to. Be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Are you getting this? Yes. Coming back next week? Yes. I, everybody didn't say yes. You coming back next week? Yes. Remember what the scripture says? Let your yes be yes, yes and let your no be no. You all said yes. yes. I expect to see you here next Wednesday. I'm extremely excited about this series. Authority. You have authority over the works of darkness. Jesus gave you his name to use against everything that is ungodly, against everything that would come against you that is contrary to the will of God. Amen? Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. 